This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition heading into week 11. How's everybody doing? Hope we had a good week 10. A bit of a crazy one over here. After the one o'clock games, I did not think I had much a chance of winning anything this week, but everything else delivered. So we ended up looking good. Pretty crazy week overall. We've got a lot to cover. So let's just get right into it. We'll start with a little transparency from week 10. So in week 10, I had 72 total calls in the written article. Looks like eight of those were inactive. So we had 64 adjusted calls. I was 74% accurate on those. 42% of the correct calls were massive hits. So double, triple, quadruple projection, etc. I am 80% accurate for the season with 46% of all correct calls being massive hits. Let's have a look at week 10 for the audio edition. Talk about how some of the cornerback one slash twos I recommended ended up doing and then how some of the dart throws ended up doing. All right, let's start with the cornerback ones and twos for week 10. So Kenny Moore beat his projection despite having a pretty horrific matchup with the Patriots. So that was good. Steven Nelson beat his projection. Cam Taylor-Britt tripled his projection. Darius Williams, the hot streak has come to an end. He was under projection. So was Jerry Jacobs. He was also under projection. Same with Asante Samuel, also under projection, which is wild because there was 129 combined tackles and almost 80 points scored in that Lions-Chargers game. In fact, we did a betting show for the IDP show last week, and all three of us pretty much swang and missed, mostly across the board, and a lot of our bets focused on this game. It was crazy. Everything was there that we needed. It just didn't work out, and that's just how it goes sometimes, so apologies for that. But the the thought process was correct, and that's all we can we have control over. A couple guys under projection there. Nate Hobbs, however, beat his projection, which is a tradition at this point. Looking at the dart throws for week 10, Shaq Griffin, I told you to avoid him if Stingley ended up playing. Stingley did play, so we're not going to look at Shaq Griffin. Mike Hilton beat his projection. Diamador Lenoir beat his projection. Chavarius Ward was under projection. Byron Murphy tripled his projection. Marshawn Lattimore matched his projection, but he also has, a, I believe it's a high ankle sprain and is going to miss some time, so that's not good. Paulson Adebo doubled his projection. Jeff Akuda was under projection. AJ Terrell was over projection. Devin Witherspoon doubled his projection. Benjamin St. Just tripled his projection and has still not been under projection the entire season, so he keeps his hot streak going. DJ Reed was under projection and Patrick Sertain was under projection. So 14 of the 21 audio recommendations were correct. Five of the 14 correct calls were massive hits, and we've got one NA with uh, Griffin and Stingley there. Definitely not the best week I've had this year. It was only 74% accurate for the written. I've been averaging around 80 this season. Uh, It was just a weird week. Things didn't work out. We're never going to be perfect at this, so apologies if it ended up screwing anyone over. But we do what we can, guys. I I do the best I can for you every week, and it's not going to be perfect every week. 
But with that being said, let's get back up on the horse and keep going and see if we can make week 11 look pretty good here. Let's start off by looking at the best matchups for week 11. First one that stuck out to me is Cardinals at Texans. This has got a 46.5 point over under. It's indoors in Houston, so no weather shenanigans. This is the second game that Kyler Murray will be starting. He looked pretty good in the first game. Cardinals got the win. He did some scoring with his legs, but the passing offense wasn't exactly perfect yet. But that's we would expect that. This is his second start the entire season. He's been injured most of the year. I think he improves each week as he plays, and this is a good opponent for him to take advantage of. The Texans got some issues on defense. They just lost Perryman for a few weeks. They've had some fluctuation beyond that. So I think Kyler can take advantage and give us some good value there. And then on the other side, the Texans are the fourth overall passing attack in the league, and they target their wide receivers amongst the top third of the league. So we've got plenty of value for Marco Wilson and Antonio Hamilton and company over on the Cardinals. So that's a great matchup right there, Cardinals at Texans. And then obviously the big one, everyone's looking forward to this one this week, the Super Bowl rematch, Eagles at Chiefs. This has got a massive 51 point over under. Both of these passing attacks are either currently in or have been in the top 10 for the majority of the season. Both of these passing attacks are just outside the top third of the league for wide receiver targets right now, but they've both been within inside that for most of the season, and they both just had a bye week. So when we factor in those 20-plus wide receiver targets that they didn't get last week while everyone else did, they're inside the top 10. They're fine. So literally everything looks good on as far as the paper set up for this game, except it's outdoors in Kansas City in winter on Monday night football. As long as it's not snowing or massively freezing, we should be okay. That obviously is going to be a great matchup to end week 11. So that's a good one. Worst matchups for week 11 include Steelers at Browns. This only has a 37.5 over under so very low scoring game according to what vegas thinks it's outdoors it's in cleveland it's in mid-november this is right off the great lakes it's going to be windy it's going to be cold we've got a chance for weather shenanigans so keep an eye on that these are steelers and browns the 24th and 29th passing attacks respectively so neither are very good they are also 25th and 23rd respectively in regards to targeting their wide receivers Everything is pointing towards a defensive struggle here, and I think that's what we're going to get. I said the same thing last week, though, about Browns and Ravens, and we got 60-something points between them. Who the hell knows, right? That, that's why they play the game any given Sunday, all that. But on paper, and most times, this is going to be a defensive struggle. So that's what we plan on. Anything else that happens, I, we have no control over. But yeah, I am avoiding that one that does not look like a good one. And we've got a ton of kind of one-sided matchups this week, which is beautiful for us because we'll just take the side that gives us value and leave the rest. So the Ravens side of Bengals-Ravens, the Ravens corners are going up against the Bengals who target their wide receivers the second most in the entire league. Plus their passing offense has been exponentially better the last month plus. Only kind of negative factor there is maybe T. Higgins might be out and Jamar Chase is a little banged up. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But good setup for the Ravens, no doubt. I like the Panthers side of Cowboys-Panthers. So Dallas is only middle of the pack in regards to their passing offense. 
and in regards to wide receiver targets. Dak's coming off a 400-plus yard game where he just showered people, his wide receivers, with targets. Cowboys are supposed to win by eight and a half points. This is on the road, so if this was were a home, if this were a home game for them, that would be add another three points is the rule of thumb. So this is really like an eleven and a half point spread, which means Dallas is supposed to just beat the living hell out of them, dominate time of possession, and the Panthers' offense should be going three and out left and right. That gives us value right there. Dante Jackson, C.J. Henderson, whoever ends up playing corner for the Panthers, we'll talk about that later. It should be on the field quite a bit, and availability is the best ability. If you're getting extra defensive snaps because your own offense keeps going three and out, that those are extra opportunities for you to score IDP points. So that definitely gives the Panthers some value this week. I like their setup quite a bit. I also like the Bears side of Lions-Bears. So the Lions are the sixth overall passing attack in the league. They should also dominate time of possession and handily beat the living hell out of the Bears this week. So that gives the Bears IDPs in general and their corners as well quite a bit of value. They should be on the field quite a bit. The Lions have a very balanced offense in general. They're very good in the time of possession rankings. I think this sets up very nicely for our Bears options in Week 11. I also like the Packers side of Packers Chargers. So the Chargers are the 11th overall passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the ninth most in the league. If we can get Jair Alexander back, this is a pretty, pretty good setup for him. And we'll talk about the other Packers options in a bit. And then my last favorite matchup this week that's one-sided is the Raiders side of Raiders and Dolphins. So the Dolphins are the number one overall passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the fourth most in the entire league. They're coming off of a loss in Germany against the Chiefs, and they want to get the ship back on course. And normally against an inferior opponent like this, from what we've seen this season, the Dolphins are just going to, you know, destroy the Raiders. I I know the Raiders have been better the last couple of weeks with the coaching change and all that. In in terms of team talent and offensive talent, these two are light years apart. The Dolphins should absolutely destroy them, and this is a picture-perfect setup for Nate Hobbs and Marcus Peters to a lesser extent. So I like their side quite a bit this week. All righty. So those are the best and worst matchups for Week 11. Let's have a look at some guys that I think are pretty good I don't want to say locks, but pretty good chance to be cornerback one or twos this week and then some dart throws as well. So cornerback ones and twos, Tyreek Stevenson up against the Lions in their sixth overall passing attack. We talked about the likelihood that the Lions are going to dominate time of possession. Tyreek Stevenson is excellent to begin with. If we give him extra defensive snaps on top of that, then it's a slam dunk. Uh, He's had cornerback one type numbers most games this season. So I think he's in an excellent setup to be a cornerback one or two this week. Obviously, Nate Hobbs against the best passing attack in the league that targets their wide receivers the fourth most overall with the Miami Dolphins is maybe the best setup we've seen this year so far for Nate Hobbs. Picture perfect setup for Nate Hobbs. He should be a slam dunk this week. Also, Devin Witherspoon, assuming Matt Stafford can play, which is it's looking likely at this point during the week, they just had the bye week to, to get him healthy. With Stafford under the helm, the Rams are the 13th best passing offense in the league. And that ranking actually got pulled back a little bit 
by the quarter, the backup quarterback they had come in, Rippon, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that did nothing, that just did absolutely nothing and single-handedly destroyed their top 10 passing ranking. With Stafford back under the helm, that gives us value to Cooper Cup again, to Puka Nakua again, and thereby gives value to Devin Witherspoon and to a lesser extent, Tariq Woolen. So I think Witherspoon, assuming Stafford plays, is in an excellent position to be a cornerback one or two this week. And then obviously I like Legereus Sneed up against the Eagles. Eagles are top 10 passing offense, top 10 in wide receiver targets for the majority of this season. I like Sneed. I, I think McDuffie is probably the better bet to have a better week just from what we've seen so far this year. So I like him as well. I like McDuffie also against the Eagles. Same reasoning. I think both should be fine, though. Both are in for a good week. And then my final cornerback one or two for week 11, Kyler Gordon up against the Lions. So Kyler Gordon does not get perfect playing time. It really depends on game script against more pass-happy teams. He sees more snaps. And the Lions are certainly capable of that. So I think Gordon should play enough, plus hopefully with the extra defensive snaps that defense should see as they get blown away by Detroit that should help as well. R- regardless, Gordon's coming off. I, I think it was a pretty good game last week, and he's usually a very good option in these plus matchups. So I like him to have a good week against the Lions. Some dart throws for week 11. Let's start with Brandon Stevens up against the Bengals. So the Bengals have the second overall ranking for targeting wide receivers in the league. Joe Burrow, since he's gotten healthy the last month plus, has been light years better than he was to start the season. We can't go with Marlon Humphrey this week. He's got a non-contact injury to his knee. We'll talk about that later. So that only really leaves Brandon Stevens as a true 100% of snaps cornerback option. And frankly, he's not designated as a corner in some places. He's got that weird, some places he's a safety, some places he's a corner thing going on. But if he's a corner in your league of merit, he's a good option this week against the Bengals, no doubt. Another sneaky kind of dart throw for this week, Carrington Valentine of the Packers up against the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, obviously very good passing attack, number 11 overall at the moment, ninth overall for targeting wide receivers, I believe it was. Carrington Valentine is the direct replacement for Razul Douglas. If Jair Alexander plays, we'll get a little bit of that lesser of the two evils effect where maybe Herbert and company Avoid Jair Alexander, the pro bowler, all pro, was once the PFF overall leader in cornerback rating a couple years back. Just an excellent player. And throw towards Carrington Valentine, a guy that's been there for two, three weeks now and barely knows what he's doing. So he could be picked on a bit against the Chargers, and that would be a good setup for him. I also like Dante Jackson this week as a dart throw up against Dallas. So with J.C. Horn coming back, We'll talk about that in the notes section. Things are in flux a little bit for Carolina and their cornerback core. The one thing that will remain constant this week is Dante Jackson against the the Cowboys. He should play 100% of snaps. He should see extra defensive snaps as Dallas just blows their doors off. And he should have plenty of value this week and hopefully be a pretty good dart throw. So I like him as well. I also like Jalen Johnson, cornerback Bears up against the Lions for the same reason as the other guys I talked about. Just Jalen Johnson tends to be a little bit less productive than Tyreek Stevenson or Kyler Gordon, and he's a little bit better when it comes to real football, PFF scores and whatnot. 
So he tends to be avoided a little bit more. But I think there's plenty enough opposing offense this week for him to have a good week and at least be a good dart throw. So I like him as well. Also, if Jair Alexander is healthy enough to play this week, we've talked about how excellent the Chargers are as a matchup. That would, despite them probably not wanting to target him because he's a very good real-life football player, I think he'd still be able to be involved enough to have a good week as a dart throw. He is that talented, so I do Jair Alexander as a dart throw this week. This next one could honestly be a cornerback one or two. Only reason he's a dart throw is he's been in a little bit of a slump lately, but Marco Wilson coming off two bad weeks, but before that, the entire other rest of the season, he was over projection every single week. This week, he's got the Houston Texans, the sixth overall passing attack in the league. We've seen how good C.J. Stroud is in general and how he's been the last couple weeks. I think this is a great setup for Marco Wilson to have a good bounce back week after a couple lower bad weeks for him. Uh, And then Marcus Peters, also of the Raiders, up against the Dolphins. We talked about how good this sets up for Nate Hobbs against the Dolphins. Same reasons for Marcus Peters. And the only reason Marcus Peters isn't up in the cornerback 1-2 section is he's not Nate Hobbs. He doesn't do it as often. He's not as productive on a consistent basis. Uh, But he should, he's in a, on paper, he's in a great setup this week against the Dolphins. So I do like Marcus Peters as a dart throw for sure. Last couple. So DJ Reed up against the Bills. We've seen this before. This was the week one game this season. DJ Reed went right past his projection, if I recall correctly. That week, same kind of setup here. The Bills should try and avoid sauce. That means they'll throw towards DJ Reed. The Bills are the fifth overall passing offense in the league. They target their wide receivers the sixth most. That sets up very good for Mr. DJ Reed this week. And then last but not least for dart throws in week 11, Darius Slay up against the Chiefs. Chiefs have been a top five passing offense this year and top 10 in regards to wide receiver targets most of the season as well. Great setup for him. For whatever reason, I don't know why, James Bradbury has not been as productive this year, but Slay has just been absolutely lights out. So this is a great setup for him. And it's a Monday night football game, which is always cool. It's always nice to have these last ditch effort kind of guys that can save your week or put you over the top in these ideal matchups on Monday night football. And that's Darius Slay, no doubt, this week. So I like him quite a bit. All righty. So some bad ideas that might seem good this week include Mike Hilton and Cam Taylor Britt against the Ravens. Both of these guys have been red hot the last two weeks here. So I can't argue with going against the hot hand. I do that myself sometimes, even when I know I shouldn't. There's no science behind it. It's just a gut feeling thing. I get it. If you feel like these guys are going to be okay, then fire away. Plus, last week, here I was like an idiot saying, this Ravens-Browns game is going to be a knife fight in a 36-point over-under or whatever it was. And it ended up being a 60-point game in a back-and-forth affair, so... Who the hell knows, right? Anything could happen any week. We are just doing the best we can with the information we have at the time. If I could predict the future accurately, I'd be in Wall Street, not fantasy Twitter. So it is what it is. But yeah, on paper, Mike Hilton and Cam Taylor Britt against the 20th overall passing attack that targets their wide receivers 24th most is not great. Probably won't go well. So just keep that in mind. 
And then another bad idea that might seem good this week is Jerry Jacobs. And this is not anything against any of us. This is a site thing. This is a site problem. Yahoo, MFL, Sleeper, all those places have overinflated Jerry Jacobs' projection to an insane amount. They're up against the 25th overall passing attack that targets their wide receivers 28th most in the league. And the Bears will probably barely see the field offensively this week as they go three and out over and over again and run up against one of the best time and possession teams in the entire league. I've seen Jerry Jacobs' projection at 16, 17 points in some Yahoo leagues this week. That's absolutely insane. There's no way. It could happen, but odds are it's not going to happen in a setup like this. So that is a site thing and nothing that, that has anything to do with any of us, but not a good idea to follow those projections for Jerry Jacobs this particular week. I would steer clear. All righty. And we'll get everyone out of here on some miscellaneous notes for week 11. I got quite a few, so I'll attempt to speed up the light speed here. So Patrick Sertain, Monday Night Football, just a day or two ago totally shut down Stefan Diggs. And it was a good reminder of how good, real-life football good, Patrick Sertain is. He definitely has the lesser of all evils effect going on right now with Fabian Morrow and Jaquan McMillian as the other two corners. If you look at those guys' stats and box scores the last couple few weeks here, it is clear that opposing offenses are avoiding Patrick Sertain and throwing towards those guys. And that, that's a beautiful thing. If, if you need a guy anytime soon, go grab Fabian Morrow, go grab Jaquan McMillian to a lesser extent because he plays fewer snaps each week. They got the Vikings this week. That's pretty decent. And they got some good factors going in their favor. So Marlon Humphrey was hurt last week. It's a non-contact injury. It could be season ending. We're still awaiting details, but he's probably not playing Thursday night. That's for sure. As far as direct one-for-one -one replacements, I didn't see any. I saw a bunch of corners I've never heard of play a few more snaps than usual and then collectively cover up um, his exit from that cornerback slot. And based on what we've seen with the Ravens this year, otherwise, uh, I don't think we're going to get a one-for-one -one replacement. I think we'll get a little bit more Geno Stone because he's come in anytime there's been really any injury in that secondary and done a great job a really good job. So I, I think he just sees a bump and they don't go with an actual cornerback. Uh, he's technically a safety. Uh, so J.C. Horn for the Panthers could be back as soon as this week. Uh, just a reminder, and we just saw this again with Derek Stingley just this week, only playing 62% of snaps. Uh, a lot of guys are getting eased back into the lineups this year. Jalen Ramsey before him, same thing. Kyler Gordon before that, same thing. These guys aren't likely to play full playing time immediately after these weeks or months-long injuries. So even if J.C. Horn is available this week against Dallas, which is a good matchup for him, I would not trust it right away. It's not likely he's going to be playing 100% of snaps right out the gate after a, a what is it, 10-week injury or whatever it was. So yeah, just a note on that. And then also, as J.C. Horn comes back, C.J. Henderson should phase out. That was the guy who came in to replace him and did a pretty good job for us anyway for IDP production for the last eight, nine, ten weeks here. So keep that in mind. If you do have C.J. Henderson, he will lose value as J.C. Horn picks up snaps. 
All righty. And then another few notes here. So Michael Davis, Chargers cornerback, was benched after seeing only 9% of snaps last week. We did see that earlier in the season as well. It looks like the replacement was Dean Leonard. This is clearly anything but safe right now. So the move is bench Michael Davis. If you need a guy, maybe pick up Dean Leonard, but give it another week or two to make sure it's actually for real. Because when this did happen earlier in the season, the first time, Davis sat a game and then came right back in and got his job back. So this is anything but set in stone. Let's give it a week or two to see what happens. I did mention some of this earlier, at least with this matchup, but there's Carrington Valentine on the Packers, and then there's Corey Ballantyne on the Packers. That's not confusing at all. I'm glad they did that. So Corey Ballantyne is the replacement for Jair Alexander. Carrington Valentine is the replacement for Razul Douglas. So if Jair, who was inactive last week, can't play again this week, Corey Ballantyne is a great deep league spot start that's totally under the radar. No one knows who this guy is. And it's a possible kill shot with the Chargers in town. So just keep that name in the back of your head. If you see that Jair Alexander is out again this week, and you're in a deeper league, and you need an insane Hail Mary, roll of the dice, Corey Ballantyne might not be a bad option. All righty, moving on. Derek Stingley played, sorry, it was 69% of snaps his first week back from injury this week. With him coming in, Shaq Griffin is being phased out. Shaq Griffin was down to 62% of snaps. As Stingley comes in, uh, Griffin will go out, so keep that in mind. Tyson Campbell is also back from injury. He played 52% of snaps his first week back. He does have a bad matchup this week with Tennessee Titans. We can skip it, but what's nice about that is it gives us another week for his playing time to keep climbing back up towards 100% where it normally is, and then he'll be a great option for us for the home stretch as we head into fantasy playoffs. All right, and over in Miami, so with Xavier Howard now healthy and Jalen Ramsey back off IR, Cater Kohu was essentially demoted to cornerback three. He only played 65% of snaps the last time we saw him. So keep that in mind. If Howard's healthy and Ramsey's healthy at the same time, Kohu is going to lose about a third of his snaps and that kills some of his value. It stinks, but it is what it is. Over in Washington, the Danny Johnson, Emmanuel Forbes flip-flop at cornerback three continues for another week. Forbes was back out. Danny Johnson was back in. So neither is a safe option currently. We can't trust anyone in that slot currently. In Buffalo, Monday Night Football, Dane Jackson played 100% of snaps. Razul Douglas played 100% of snaps. Teron Johnson only played 92% of snaps. That's the second week in a row we've seen a very similar split like that. That looks like it's what we're going to get now that Razul's there in Buffalo. Christian Benford has lost his job pretty much completely. The three guys that we have there, Dane Jackson, Razul Douglas, Teron Johnson. And then I mentioned this a little bit previously, but Fabian Morrow who on Denver, who displaced Demario Davis about three weeks ago, had his second start in a row this past Monday on Monday Night Football. He looks really good. The Broncos' defense overall has improved significantly in the past three weeks. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's gotten a lot better in terms of passing defense since Fabian Morrow took over for Damari Mathis, who was getting scorched left and right. So I think he's safe. I think Fabian Morrow is a legit option going forward. I will ring the alarm bells if that changes. So just a note there. 
Alrighty, and that is pretty much it for this week. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that we, I crammed a lot of crap in there in 30 minutes. My voice is absolutely killing me. I don't like talking this much in a row. That's why I like podcasts, but it is what it is. You guys need the info, and I know you don't want to be sitting here for an hour listening to it. We got it to you. Before we get out of here, California listeners, don't forget, Touchdown Hoedown every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at the Desert 5 Spot, 6516 Selma Avenue in Hollywood, California. Contact at Lamont at L-A-M-0-N-T-562 on Twitter for details. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys have a good week. I do appreciate you guys. I really do. Thank you all for reading, for listening, for the great questions, for the great feedback. It, It does hurt me. Maybe not that maybe that's not the word. It doesn't hurt me, but it bothers me when I get stuff wrong, like on the betting show or this last week when I dipped down to 74% of 74% accuracy for the podcast. It does bother me a little bit. I, I do want to give you guys the best information humanly possible so you can make the best decisions possible and win your matchups and win your titles. So, you know, that's what we're going to continue to do each and every week. If there's a bad week, we learn from it, we adjust, we get back up, and we keep on going. So that's what we're going to do. Thank you all for listening. Good luck in week 11, and I'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show.